guy loves to do <laughs> right before we get on the air. Right before. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. As you can no doubt tell, uh, Captain Stooping of the Love Boat is back. Uh, he, back he, Sean. Yeah, he, he apparently left. Uh, <laughs> he took uh, the Giants receivers with him when he took off last week. Wow. So let's <laughs> let's go straight to it. Welcome to uh, the uh, playoff edition, playoffs edition of Under the Dome. <laughs> And yes, it's a Saints show, but I'm wearing my Green Bay Packers jersey because this week it's all about Go Pack Go. So, without further ado, I'm your host, Alan Orrick, and my love boat um, uh, co-conspirator here, Sean Williams. Uh, He also answers the name of Gopher, Doc, Isaac, and... I think he's still married to Julie, your cruise director. So let's go ahead, Sean. How you doing? <laughs> God, oh, it, I just reveal what I used to do on Saturday nights in the seventies. <laughs> can we get any other uh, love boat fantasy island? You know, the plane, the plane. Yeah, go, that, go. Oh, I knew it would come back to my height. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome, you guys. Uh, thank you so much for all of the happy birthday wishes that I received while I was out of country. Uh, it was a fantastic trip. I had a lot of fun. Um, we, we all have to do an under the dome cruise. That, that's just, uh, that was the one overwhelming, uh, issue that I was left with when I was getting off the boat. We have to do an under the dome Caribbean cruise, uh, and that being said, we uh, I digress. We want to thank Fan First Productions for uh, sponsoring us. Uh, we thank all of our as always. Uh, and two that we want to single out this week, uh, Mr. John Pinto, our Director of Media Relations, and also our uh, our Facebook uh Cyber Ninja, Mr. Joel Smith, we thank you guys so much for everything that you do for us. Uh, and I want to introduce briefly our our guest for tonight, uh, the Chad Bluen Network of shows on the Sports Den. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, would you please make welcome David King? How you doing tonight, David? Oh, I'm doing good. How y'all guys doing? All right. So, David, David, how did you get involved in this whole podcast world? What made you decide you want to get on on, uh, the Internet and start talking about sports? Well, you know what? I've been a sports fan all of my life. And one thing, I'm 39 years old, and one thing I've learned in life is that there's two things you really uh, will always start arguing with people, and that would be religion and, and politics. So I say, well, hey, why not talk about sports? So um, <laughs> I got the opportunity with Mr. Chad Bloomer to, to start my own show. And it's been a blast. It really has been a blast. I, I, I just love talking about sports. If there's anything I can talk about all day, whether I'm right or wrong, it's sports. Good deal. Well, I see that you talk a lot about uh, Louisiana sports. You go not only uh, – uh, the Saints, but you also talk about LSU and uh, the local teams around the area. Uh, is that primarily your focus, Louisiana sports, or um, do you kind of take it nationally too? No, right now my main focus is Louisiana sports. And the reason I do that is because a lot of our teams don't get the national recognition. And when we watch uh, other networks, we don't get to hear about the Saints. We don't get to hear about LSU. We don't get to hear about the Pelicans that often. And see, I'm I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm sorry. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm making I'm making it work. So it's more or less like the the people in Louisiana they get to hear about the teams all the time. But then my show is also broadcast around the country. So other people like me that's in a place where we don't get to hear about the Saints, we don't get to hear about LSU or the Pelicans. Then they have a show that they can turn to. Good deal. Good deal. Well, well, I can, I can say this 
Uh, I can say this right quick. Uh, uh, Alan, excuse me for this, but... Uh, no, go ahead. Before Under the Dome got started, I spent an, an entire year being the Saints uh, analyst for the Chad Bluen show down in uh, Baton Rouge. Uh-huh. And I can... I can tell you guys, uh, for a guy that deserved your support, did, excuse me, deserved your support and your respect, uh, it's Chad Bluen, and uh, kind of by process of elimination, uh, I think David falls under that same category. Uh, Chad's a great guy, uh, and... and by association, I would assume David is as well. David, yeah, I try my best to be. <laughs> give us a brief rundown of your show and exactly what the sports den is all about. Well, my show airs live uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, uh, Thursdays, and Fridays, five thirty p.m. Central Time. It's an hour, sometimes hour plus. I may go five or ten minutes over, depending on how hot the topic is. And basically, it's all Louisiana sports. Uh, we, we talk about anything LSU, anything Pelicans, anything Saints, what's going on. Uh, we get views and opinions on the coaches, uh, performers, and the players now. It's basically just a fun show. Um, I've, I've made practical uh, prank phone calls to other fan bases, <laughs> you know, and it was all fun. You know, the main thing is, is that it's, it, I just, it's what it is, a sports den. I came up with the idea because, you know, when, you, when you're watching the game, you, you're at your friend's house. And when you watch the game, a lot of times it's in a den. And you get into sports trivia. You start talking about your teams. You sit down. You have snacks. You have your choice of beverages. And, and that's the atmosphere I want. I want everybody to feel like they're in a sports den and we're talking about our sports. Well, good deal, because if I would have done a crank call, I would have called up the Dallas radio station today, and I would have said, you know, I have a, I have a phone call looking to see if the Cowboys can draft Mr. Heimlich, Mr. Heimlich maneuver <laughs> to deal with all the choking going on in that team. Wow, that's a good one. That's uh, good. Uh, <laughs> you should do that for real. <laughs> uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I, that. I can't take. I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> well, I tell you, I'll be honest with you. I watched, I watched about half of the Seattle Atlanta playoff game. Mm-hmm. I watched none of the Houston New England game, and I watched the entire Packers Cowboys game, and I'd say ninety nine percent of the Steelers Chiefs game, and. Uh, I think the rest of America kind of followed suit because uh, you saw the Packers uh, Cowboys game was the highest rated game ever uh, of all the play. Yeah. Of all the playoff games and the chiefs Steelers went right after that. Um, and, you know, I don't think anybody watched the, the, the Texans Patriots game and actually the Texans really played a good game or as best they could play, you know, with a team that has no quarterback whatsoever. Um, I, I think my overwhelming takeaway from that uh, Houston-New uh, England game was just exactly how hard New England tried. I mean, they tried so desperately to give that game to Houston, to give it away. And Houston just could not reach up and grab a hold of it. Yeah. And then, too, Houston just couldn't make the big plays down the stretch like New England did. Uh, you're right. For the first half, Houston really, really played New England really tough, and it was just those big plays in the second half where Houston was able—I mean, excuse me—New England was able to kind of take that game away. You know, and, and here you go. And this is—we're going to talk about this later on. But when we talk about the position of quarterback, here you got a team, the Houston Texans, since their inception, has not had a franchise quarterback. They've had guys or a guy who they thought was going to be one in, in Matt Schaub. Mm-hmm. And then he became the pick six machine. Uh, but, you know, this is a team that has a pretty good offensive line, a good defense, uh, a, an all-pro wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. And 
They just cannot find a quarterback, and they've tried everything. They drafted David Carr. That didn't work. You know, they signed Matt – she traded for Matt Schaub. That worked for a little while. Mm-hmm. They signed um, Osweiler, Brent Osweiler, to a big contract, thinking, you know, we're, they were stealing the Broncos' future from them, and it still wasn't working. You know, guys like Tom Savage have won playoff games for them. Uh, um, T, um, what was his name now? The initials. I never trust a quarterback. Let's say Y.A. Tittle. I don't trust any quarterback with T- T.J. T.J. Yates. T.J. Yates. T.J. Yates, yeah. I don't trust quarterbacks with initials or two first names. Billy Joe Hobart, Billy Joe Tolliver, people like that. <laughs> That's not a quarterback name to me. Uh, so, anyway, you know, and, and, and it must be incredibly frustrating for, you know, the Texan fans because – you think that, especially you're playing such a lousy division, uh, that you can kind of get something while your defense is still good, and you can just have a game manager just win the game for you, and they can't do it. You know, it, this is a quarterback-driven league. It absolutely is, and I think that um, you see that now in the team, the the final four teams that are left standing. It. <clears throat> point in the playoffs you see Aaron Rodgers and the Packers you see Matt Ryan and the Falcons you see Tom Brady and the Patriots you see uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Steelers well it definitely was a difference for the Kansas City Chiefs Uh, Alex Smith could not make the vertical throws to get the Chiefs back in this game to win it Um, it was it took them forever to get to just to score a touchdown. They score a touchdown in the opening drive. They don't score again until the final, what, three minutes of the ball game. Um, if, you had, if you had told me, if you had told me going in that the Kansas city chiefs would hold Pittsburgh out of the end zone, but would lose that game. I would have told you you were crazy. It was blackjack. You know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Steelers kept saying, hit me, hit me, hit me, trying to get to 21. First team to 21 was going to win this ball game, And uh, the Chiefs just could not do it. Uh, it was incredibly frustrating. Uh, would Jamal Charles have made a difference in that game? Maybe, probably. Ab- ab- but, absolutely. Well, but, but the Chiefs defense couldn't stop uh, Le'Veon Bell when they had to. They got them to settle for field goals, but again – Time-consuming drives. You know, you wear that defense out with Le'Veon Bell. So, uh, yeah, and you got to give credit to the Pittsburgh's defense. Um, mm-hmm. Bud Dupree and the, and the defensive line, they did, some, they did a pretty good job as far as rushing Alex Smith. They, you you got to give credit to their front seven. They did a good job. I'd love sure. to find the fountain of youth. I'd love to find the fountain of youth that um, uh, James Harrison has. Yes. Yeah, 38 years old, and he's playing better than most 25-year-olds in the NFL at linebacker, outside linebacker. Uh, I mean, he's still going to the fourth quarter. The point still seems to me to be with all everything that happened post-game, and, I mean, the Antonio Brown posting of the Mike Tomlin tirade, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Are the Steelers going to be able to – Get their ish together and uh, and make a run at the New England Patriots. If they they're going to have to go into hostile territory, they have to be able to get after Tom Brady. Number one and number two, uh, Bell's got to run. He's got to get a hundred yards rushing. He's got to get a couple scores. Uh, wear that wear that Patriots defense out because you know. Belichick is going to take away whatever they think they do best, and he's probably going to try and take away That's right. the pass. He's probably going to want to take away Antonio Brown, give, don't give up the big play, and make Bell beat them. And they think they can make the uh, Steelers settle for field goals and force turnovers. So you've, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not going to be able to do what you did against Kansas City. You're not going to trade field goals against – 
touchdowns with Tom Brady. You're not going no, to do that. No, Tom Brady will make the Tom Brady will make the plays to win. Hey, you about to say something? I was just going to say, um, you know, I, I agree with you 100 percent as far as what the uh, New England Patriots need to do. But here's a uh, here's a here's the thing. You know, I think the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to try to get Le'Veon Bell um, some catches out the backfield. He's a very capable running back of catching out of the backfield. You can even uh, line him up at wide receiver. So there might be a game plan where Le'Veon Bell might have more receiving yards than rushing yards if he can't go between the tackles against uh, New England. I agree with that. I, I can see that, especially uh, trying to get Bell matched up against those linebackers. Uh, outside of Dante Hightower, you know, they really don't have linebackers who can cover. Uh, they've got more linebackers that can just kind of sit in the gaps and, and stop the run. Uh, so it's going to be a good game. They just, they just need to make him a, a factor in the final outcome of the game, whether that be on the ground, whether that be through the air, whatever it is, they need to make Le'Veon Bell a part of the final outcome. And Roethlisberger is going to be patient. Um, don't force, you know, if the run is working, don't try and force a pass to Antonio Brown because that's what uh, Belichick's looking for. He wants those turnovers, you know, and and if that game remains close, you're going to see Brady going to pull it out the last minute. Uh, that's just what he does. You need to step on the Patriots early and keep them down. And uh, – it's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to that game a lot more than I'm looking forward to the NFC Championship game. That is before, before we get to the NFC Championship. Uh, before we get to the NFC side of the bracket, I, I want to do one thing that I forgot to do earlier. I want to thank uh, the man that filled in so admirably for me last week, uh, Mr. Matt Ulrich. So much for the job that you did. You did phenomenal. Uh, I, I was able to watch once we, uh, once we got back to land, you did fantastic, man. Your knowledge is on point. Uh, I know that I made the right choice when I came, when I chose you to, uh, <laughs> sit in for me. Uh, he, uh, far from the tree. Yeah, he, uh, he lives for football. I'll tell you that sports in general. We had, we had a joke one time. He was about, I want to say he was in seventh grade at uh, St. Edward, the Confessor School. And uh, he was on a quiz bowl team. And his dream board came up. Name the last five NBA MVPs. Name the last five NFL MVPs. Name, uh, you know, just go on and on. Sports trivia and matches like boom, 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 all the way through. And the, the kids are all like, Wait, is he right? Is he really know? And like, <laughs> trust me, he knows it. Trust me. Yeah. So yeah, David. David, just to fill you in, uh, I was gone last weekend uh, on, on a Caribbean cruise, and to fill in in my spot, the first show that I had missed since the inception of Under the Dome, I chose as my uh, successor to be. Matt Ulrich, which is also the offspring of uh, Alan Ulrich. Okay. So it was okay. ba- it was basically Father Sunday at the office. Uh, yeah. And and Matt did an outstanding job. Take your I, son I, to work day. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. I, I I really and truly um I couldn't have done it any better myself, and I thank Alan so much for the job that he did. Uh, you gotta, it's you very much get my, appreciated. You got to get my daughter in here too. You can get my daughter. You can get my daughter Allison in here too. She uh, she sits there. I, she goes. She goes to the. Uh, she goes to the. She's in the dorm, and she goes in like the. Uh, they call it the rec room. They have the, the football game on the TV, and they got all the guys sitting there watching the game, and they'll go. You know, the flag will get thrown. And they go. What the hell is that? Hold on. And I was like, no, no, pass interference, number 37. And, wow. you know, all of a sudden the guy goes, the ref comes on pass interference, 37. They all look at her. How do you know that? She says, oh, wow. I know. Why you, I know. Why you, oh. you got to choose my number for pass interference? 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, she here's a story about her when she was in uh, seventh grade. She played uh, flag football, all girls flag football. Okay, and she comes running home. She they picked her to play quarterback. She comes running home. She says, "Dad, Dad." She says, "I threw a touchdown pass." I'm like that's great because you know, it was practice after school. She says, "Yeah." I looked up the safety and I said, oh my God. Wow. She's like a coach on the field. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She did a pump fake, looked up the safety and threw a touchdown pass. And <laughs> well, she played basketball and she injured her knee in basketball. So she had to stay. No, th- yeah, she was staying in the hospital for this. So what does she bring with her to the, to the hospital? Not like, you know, chick flicks, not little girl movies and things like that. She brings a stack of Saints DVDs and she's got Saints games on. She's watching while she's wow. uh, while she's laid up in the hospital. The nurse comes in. She just looks up at the TV. Is that live? And like, no, 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 no. <laughs> she's watching the Super Bowl. She's watching the Patriots Saints game from 2009. So yeah, she loves all that. And right now she's dying because she's watching this with her, with her friend Paige. And they're just like killing themselves laughing at this. So anyway, yeah, I got I have very sports oriented kids. Nice. Well, nice. Allie, you're a child after my own heart. Thank you. Uh, there you go. There you go. Can't help it. You live in this house. You're gonna hear it. Um, That's right. But um. Uh, uh, anyway, moving on to the NFC round of the playoffs. Uh, it was a bit of a snooze. Uh, as much as I hate to say it for my friends from the Seattle area, uh, it was pretty much expected to go down the way that it did between the Seahawks and the Falcons. Uh, the much bigger game on the NFC side of the bracket was the Cowboys and the Packers game that took place on Sunday. And as Alan mentioned earlier, um, it was the highest rated playoff game in history. If I remember that correctly, mm-hmm. probably, probably so. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this correct. game? Um. Well, you know, as far as the uh, Green Bay Dallas game, I thought I told I had said earlier in the show. Uh, I think either last week, a week before last, that for a team to beat Dallas, Dallas is as an offense that's built to either be in a lead or be within a, a score to really win a game. They, um, they're, they're ball control, power-oriented offense that runs the ball very well, and Dak Prescott's going to throw the dinks and dunks with occasionally letting loose a bomb, uh, but a dink and dunk kind of offense that really eats up the clock and makes the defense, uh, makes the offense of the other team play catch up the whole time. And knowing that they're running out of time and every possession has to count. The Packers did what you have to do to beat a team like the Cowboys. They jumped on them early and made the Cowboys play from behind the whole game. And they didn't tie it until the uh, fourth quarter. And as a result, you know, the Cowboys didn't run the ball as much as they usually like to. And uh, Dak was forced more to pass to win a game. And it's not a knock on Dak, but he is a rookie. And he started to not so much play like one, but when he needed to reach down and make the bigger plays, he was unable to make those plays. Uh, they fell behind and down in distance a few times, and it killed a lot of their drives. And that really helped the Packers because the Packers are a really limited team right now. They're, they're using a tight end as a running back. They lost Jordy Nelson, the number one receiver. I think Devontae Adams even got hurt in the game. Uh, offensive linemen were getting shuffled in and out because of injuries. And I think they lost Morgan Burnett too. So, yeah. you know, here's a team that's really – in a bad shape or bad going to a game in bad shape, I should say, um, against an offense in the Falcons that has all hands on deck. They've had the only offensive line that all five members started all 16 games and they had an extra week uh, uh, 
being the number two seed, they had an extra week off that the Packers simply have not had. They've been playing for 16 weeks yeah. straight since their week three bye. Um, so, yeah, it's not a good matchup for the Packers. But at the same time, you can't count on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level that is just astounding. He just makes plays. And this is a guy, he's throwing zingers off his back foot without his shoulder squared, jumping in the air, you know, and he's still throwing these incredible passes. And he's going to make receivers look better than they really are. So it's – it's uh, it, it should be a good game, but the Falcons jump on them early. The Packers won't be able to come back. I, I think that it's – and God forgive me, uh, maybe we should pause the broadcast for a moment so that mm-hmm. I can say this. And it's not uh, stored <laughs> for eternity on the Internet, but the Atlanta Falcons are – and this is coming from someone that's followed Drew Brees for the biggest portion of his career. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons right now are one of the biggest, best offensive teams that are out there right now. They are hitting at a historical clip. And they're playing. They're playing like the 2011 Saints. That, that's that's the closest you can get to it. It's, it's the 2011 Saints now uh, with the yeah. diverse running backs. You've got two running backs who can run and catch. You've got multiple receivers now, so they can't just focus on Julio Jones. Um, and the offensive line is really playing beyond their ability. Uh, even with Alex Mack, Alex Mack in there, that offensive line is playing much better than they're capable of. So, you know, Matt, oh, go ahead, David. No, I was just going to say, speaking about the Atlanta Falcons, um, one thing I've noticed with the Atlanta Falcons, especially over the last four weeks, is the the productivity of Big Beasley and Deion Jones. They have really helped that defense step up. And you made a good point when you said this Atlanta Falcons team reminds you of the 2011 or even the Super Bowl New Orleans Saints team where – they have a pretty – well, actually, a pretty good to good defense. But when you have a powerhouse offense like they do, that's all mm-hmm. you need. That's all you need. Yep. Vic Beasley and Deion Jones and and the uh, defensive backs, they're starting to up their play. So it's going to be tough for Green Bay. If I could just comment on the Green Bay-Dallas game right quick. Mm-hmm. The one thing that really – caught my eye, especially when Green Bay took that 21-3 lead, was the way that Green Bay's offensive line was protecting for Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I texted my friends and I said, you know what, did Dallas offensive line trade teams? Because <laughs> Green Bay's offensive line looked like Dallas offensive line, and, and Aaron Rodgers had a lot of time to throw. Yeah. But going back to the uh, Atlanta Falcons versus the Green Bay, you know, it <laughs> – I'm not going to make a prediction because I know who's going to win, but I ain't going to say it because, you know, <laughs> I'm not a Pigeon fan. I can't stand the Pigeons. But I'm still cheering for Green Bay. Yeah. But it's going to be Absolutely. tough for Green Bay. Well, yeah. It, it, unfortunately, what it takes to beat Green, what it takes to beat Atlanta right now, that they don't have. Actually, Dallas was probably a better matchup yes. um, because it's going to take a strong offensive line and a running game that can just pound that undersized defense because that's what it is. The Falcons have an undersized but a fast attacking defense. Yes. And if you can control the line of scrimmage and keep Matt Ryan off the field and just pound that Falcons defense, by the fourth quarter, it's going to break. Vic Beasley is a pass rusher. He's not a run stuffer. You know, Deion Jones is a hybrid linebacker safety who is good at blitzing and hitting the hole quickly to meet it back. But by the third and fourth quarter, you know, that gets tight. That that starts to hurt. You don't want to hit that guy anymore because a big, and if Eddie Lacy was there, I'd feel Mm -hmm. better about it. But he's not, 
You're not going to be able to pull up, you know, a, a great power back to come in and play this game. I almost wish the Saints could lend the Packers, Mark Ingram and Michael Thomas, just for the game. You know, here you go, okay. guys. This is what you need. Yeah, this is what you need. Yeah, this is what you need for this game. We'll lend you these guys and just give it back to us after it's over with. But you, know, you can have it for the day. Um, All right. Well, um, Alan, you have Pittsburgh visiting the New England Patriots. Who you got and why? I'm going to go with the Steelers, and it's not just because I was a fan back in the 70s. I think um, without Gronkowski there, uh, Tom Brady's missing a big security blanket. I think that Steelers defense is playing much, much better than it played earlier in the year when it, I think they played New England and they lost. Uh, no, they beat New England, but uh, I, I think this defense is playing so much better right now. Uh, they're going to give Tom Brady all he can handle out there. And I think Le'Veon Bell is a difference for the offense. I think he is going to win the game against mm-hmm. the Patriots. Same same principle. You keep the uh, keep the Patriots, keep Tom Brady on the sideline, and you just control that clock and score touchdowns, not field goals, and you should win this game. Okay, how about you, David? Yeah, I'm going to agree with him. I think Pittsburgh is going to win with, with the reasons that he just stated. And also, I'm going to add that I, I think that uh, Pittsburgh is going to still take some deep shots for Antonio Brown. He might connect on one of them, which is going to force New England to play more balance instead of having to uh, do what Belichick likes to do, or, or who I call Bella Cheap. I call him <laughs> Bella Cheap. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's going to be Pittsburgh. And Tony Brown going to get a deep shot, and that's going to just uh, loosen up that defense a little bit. So Pittsburgh probably going to win in a um, mid-scoring game, something like 24-20, 24-17, something like this. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I, I have to be honest with you guys. Uh, in looking at the Final Four, uh, it is the absolute nightmare scenario for me personally for – it to wind up being an Atlanta Falcons, New England Patriots Super Bowl, because then I have to root for nuclear holocaust before halftime. Giant meteor. Just end it all. Giant meteor. (laughs) I I would rather that the earth ended completely 100% uh, Armageddon blue, you know. (laughs) That's it. To be completely honest, uh, the best way that I have of seeing things, as much as I believe in Aaron Rodgers and and I believe that what they have is is working well, I don't see the Packers having the defense to, uh, to shut down Atlanta. So... It, it, it looks for all practical intents and purposes, in my opinion, that Atlanta will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. And you have no idea oh. how much I almost threw up saying that. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, if it's the Steelers in Atlanta, next week I'll be out here with my terrible towel. I do have a Pittsburgh Steelers terrible towel, too. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'll, you'll I'll, have to fed. You'll have to FedEx me one. Yeah. Uh, so same here too. <laughs> there is. So yeah. Make no uh, mistake about it. Do not question my loyalty. <clears throat> there is no way in hell that I will ever support the Atlanta Falcons, whether that be a preseason game, whether that be an NFC Championship. I will not ever for the Atlanta Falcons to win <laughs> at marbles, tiddlywinks, or football. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I don't even think that's too horrible to comprehend. Uh, I'll have to go and that, that, that's just myself. not going to happen. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'll go pull up my uh, footage of the Denver Falcons Super Bowl from 1998 to kind of oh, just wow. to get me in a good mood. Yeah, the old NFL Films version of the Super Bowl highlights, so. That's only I'll be able to enjoy that game. So just and, hoping that happens again. And all that being, all that being said, I feel like uh, as a disclaimer, I should say that both my Super Bowl picks lost 
last week in Denver and Kansas City. No. All right. Well, I guess so. I guess nobody's <laughs> going to pick Green Bay in this game. I, I'm going to pull for him, but I can't pick him um, because I, it's just it's too many injuries and. Yeah. That lack of a running game just really is going to come back to hurt Green Bay in this one because if Atlanta didn't have that two running backs, if it was just going to be a pass fest between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers, I'll take Aaron Rodgers any day of the week. But those two running backs, um, yeah, the Coleman and Freeman, yeah. yeah, Coleman and Freeman are the X factor. That's the difference between honestly, that's the difference between this Falcons team and any other Falcons team we've seen so far. Yeah. is they have two running backs who really kick defenses off balance and they can't just send guys in after Matt Ryan. Because if you could go after Matt Ryan, um, he will make the mistakes and cost you the game. That's just going to be how he is because he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not that accurate of a thrower unless he has all day to throw. And you saw that against Seattle. I thought Seattle had a great game plan to go in there, but they made too many mistakes in the game um, that cost them. You know, two huge returns by Devin Hester get called back yeah, yeah. because of penalties. You know, that, that's the kind you can't you can't do that and win a game against the uh, Seahawks. I mean, against the Falcons, Seahawks can't do that. So, anyway, um, Sean, you want to talk about um, Saints positions? Uh, tonight? Yeah. Um, beginning tonight, we're going to start a discussion over the course of the next several weeks leading up to the NFL draft where we discuss position by position, every position on the. Uh, the and tonight, we're going to start with something that's relatively easy, uh, but yet it's it's still complex. Uh, we're going to start with the position of quarterback. Mm. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to kind of give an overview of the 2016 season at the position of quarterback and how that works in terms of looking forward to the 2017 and beyond season. What do you think, Al? Well, I mean, you've got, speaking of guys that are playing like they're in their 20s and they're in their, in their 37, 38 years old, uh, Drew Brees. I mean, every time you turn around, he, is, he seems to be getting even better at throwing the football. He had yet another 5,000-yard receiving uh, passing year. He threw, uh, what, 30 touchdowns, over yeah. 30 touchdowns? Yeah. You know, I mean, 70% completion percentage again. Uh you know, it's just amazing how good he has become, uh, even as he gets older. He's I don't see any signs of declining arm strength either. I mean, he is still he was never blessed with the strongest arm in the NFL, but he makes up for it with accuracy. And he just consistently makes the plays, makes the throws, is still mobile enough that he can get out of trouble uh, and makes the offense look good. So, I mean, you've got Drew Brees, and then right behind him, you've got a capable backup, not somebody you want starting for a lot, a long time, but, you know, you've got a capable. Oh, thank you. Pinkberry. Oh, boy. Um, oh, we both are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife that loves me so much. Um, Anyway, you know, in uh, McCown, you've got – and Luke McCown, you've got just enough of a guy who – what? You find, what? What? You find me funny? I make you laugh? You find me amusing? I'm not right. a clown? All right. Don't, don't go gladiator on me. No, 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 no. no. He, he said it. He said it. He said it. You know, I, what, what do you mean by funny? How am I funny? <laughs> Anyway, John Pinto will appreciate John Pinto will appreciate the movie quotations there. I just cleaned it up a little bit for family view. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My question, so, my my ordeal with the uh, the quarterback position is not so much mm -hmm. with Drew Brees. I mean, Jesus, five thousand yards again. 
uh, for the fifth right, the fifth time uh, overall. It's it's not it's not about that. It's about the future. Uh, we have what uh, one or two more seasons with Drew under contract <laughs> at present. Uh huh. Is that yes. one more? I think it's one more because last year he signed a two-year deal. Yes, it's essentially a one-year deal where with uh, the Saints, I think, have an option to pick up more years, but they're not going to do it because of the way the contract is set up. So, yeah, it's essentially a one-year deal he's got left. Okay. Uh, I think it's much, much, much more about what the future holds for the quarterback position of the New Orleans Saints. And that, in and of itself, it's not going to be Luke McCown. Luke McCown is a serviceable backup at best. And by that, I mean you saw what he could do last season versus the the, uh, the Carolina, Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he had a, a week to prepare for it, he was basically flawless. Uh, you saw him in preseason – when he had a week to prepare for a start, and it was forgettable. Uh, Luke McCown is not going to be your go-to guy post-Breeze. And whoever the next man up is, uh, I have a hard time believing that it will be Garrett Grayson in any shape, form, or fashion. It won't Uh, be. That being said, that means that the successor to by uh, by process of elimination, that means that the successor for Drew Brees is not on roster. So we no. we yeah. need to make it a priority to fill those shoes. Yeah, and 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 the, and the thing is with the New Orleans Saints, um, none of it like I agree with both you guys that none of the backups are capable of taking up the starting role. The predicament for the Saints right now is that this offseason, um, there's really not going to be a, per se, great quarterback in free agency. And we know that this year's draft is going to be weak in quarterbacks as well. So yeah. it's, it's pretty much going to be a predicament coming up with the Saints where, you know, hopefully Breeze can stay healthy next season. And, you know, we look at the free agents for next offseason to come in and take Breeze's place. But um, – and, and let me add this. I was a fool for not adding Drew Brees to my fantasy football team. <laughs> like I usually do, but, hey, that's over with. But, yeah, the Saints are in the predicament when it comes to the back position. Um, Luke, McNow, Luke McCown might be the only option we have, really, if, if something does happen to Brees. And well, let me ask you. let me ask you this. Is there a quarterback worth drafting? No. 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 Not at all. I mean, I, right I would, now, I would say ahead, Des- I would kind of say Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. but he, it's going to take him three or four years to develop. He He's not going to be Absolutely. a quarterback that could come in year two or even year one and, and make an impact. So, no, I think next, next year's draft will probably have better quarterbacks. Um, but this draft, no. Here's my here's my if concern. I, if I'll I had to compare anyone, if I had to compare anyone with, uh, well, first and foremost, the only first, and I was just discussing this with Matt earlier before the uh, the show started. I don't look for the first time in a long time. I, I don't look for there to be a quarterback chosen in the first ten picks of the draft this year. Because I don't think that the the talent pool at quarterback is worthy of a top ten pick, and mm-hmm. that being said, that probably um, given the uh, the national championship and, and all that that holds, Deshaun Watson would absolutely, I guess, be the front runner. And that being said, I look for Deshaun Watson at best to be a long-term project player. Uh, I I don't – and 
from there the list go completely goes down for me. Uh, I, I don't I don't look for there to be a serviceable quote unquote franchise quarterback in the list uh, till maybe this middle of the second round. Maybe. Yeah, when you look at I'm sorry, but I was going to say, what if you, uh, here we go, we get in free agency, we pick up a guard, let's say we pick up Leary from Dallas. We pick up uh, a cornerback in free agency. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to throw a name out for that. And then you enter the draft with, you sign a career backup, optional kind of defensive end. So you end up with going to the draft where you pick it in the first round, um, a, fir- a defensive end. Second round, you get um, a cornerback or a kick returner. Third round, you fill in a linebacker maybe. So here you're on the fourth round. And in the fourth round, you're looking at quarterbacks like Davis Webb, um, so I'm sorry, I have my little list here. Uh, Jared Evans of Virginia Tech. Brad, uh, I think it's Kaya, Kaya of Miami. I'm, Kaya. I'm probably butchered it. Kaya, I butchered his last name. Chad Kelly, Ole Miss. You know, you look at that uh, handful of quarterbacks there in the fourth round who have about a fourth or a fifth round grade. Now, we don't have a fifth round pick. Do you take a quarterback then in the fourth round? Start of the third day. Absolutely not. No? No. Well, I put it to you like this. If it's one quarterback that would be available, let's say the third or fourth round that I would take a chance on, and I can't think of his name right now, but the quarterback from the University of Washington, um, he, okay. he was, I think, the second or third finalist for the Heisman. But if he's available third or fourth round, I would probably take him. Chris Peterson is one great coach. He's a good quarterback's coach. So you possibly can take him third or fourth round. But if you address your needs in the first couple. His name is Jake Locker. Jake Locker? No, Jake Locker's already in the NFL. Yeah. Did you say Jake Locker? What did you say there, uh, Sean? Hold on, let me look him up. Yeah. Jake Locker, isn't he the quarterback for Washington? He was, but that was like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, well, that's what no. you get when Washington isn't relevant. Yeah. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let me look here. Um, Jake well, Browning. You know, uh, Jake, Jake Browning. Browning. Okay, there we go. There we go. Okay. Which one? Uh, Jake Browning. Yeah. Browning. Hey, I got one of the names right. Come on. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, that's – see, to me, okay, I'm not a fan of taking a quarterback in the draft either, but we're going to – I'm going to say that Nick Underhill had an impact on me, and I'm going to kind of go with what Nick Underhill said. You don't take a quarterback, but you need to take a quarterback. And what I mean by that is you've got to try and fill in some of the holes in free agency. You know, that's why I said let's say we get a guard and we get a cornerback, maybe a linebacker, maybe a backup defensive end. So you're not kind of locked in on your draft where you have to fill in holes. That you have an option at fourth at your fourth-round pick, take best available player. And if you got a quarterback ranked up there pretty high, you take him. But at a fourth-round pick, you're not locked into this kid is a quarterback of the future. Whereas if you were to take, say, a Deshaun Watson, you reach and take a Deshaun Watson at the 11th pick, or worse, trade down and take him at, say, the 17th or 18th pick, now you've got a first-round pick sitting right behind Drew, and the conversation starts immediately. You know, this is Drew's last year in New Orleans. When do they give Watson a shot? When do they uh, start moving on from Breeze and all these things, especially if the Saints come out losing again? You know, and, and 
I really don't want to entertain that. But at the same time, I understand the philosophy of you're going to have to start taking quarterbacks, okay? Because you're going to have to start trying to develop some of the future. Now, the reverse of that, or the devil playing devil's advocate, I'm perfectly happy going all in this year. And then let's play the 3-13 and 13 season with, with uh, Kate, uh, Luke McCown and, and uh, you know, Garrett Grayson at quarterback, and we go three and thirteen, and we end up with the you know number one and number two overall pick of the draft, you know, because we've already won our second championship with Breeze. Uh, I, I'm, you know, part of me says let's go for that too. So hmm. it, it, it's a tough decision. I won't be as incensed about taking a quarterback in this draft as I was two years ago. Uh, when we took Garrett Grayson, I thought Garrett Grayson was a wasted pick because of you still had enough years of Drew Brees. Um, I think yeah. at 38, 39 years old, you're now really pushing it to see how much long you can get with Drew Brees. And if the, if you don't get one this year, now you're going to have to get one next year because, you know, the Drew Brees window is closing and it's yeah. closing fast. So. I'm torn. I am torn right now between these two. I think it's a crapshoot because um, unless I miss my guess, the end of Drew Brees is going to come in anything over the past several years of history. We've seen uh, basically the last elite quarterback that succumbed to Father Time was uh, Peyton Manning. And mm-hmm. when it happened, I mean, it happened, bam. Well, right there. And, and I mean, it was too quick that no amount of draft picks, no amount of anything could could cover for that. I mean, it was just like that quick, and it was done and over with. Well, Peyton, Peyton had the issue of his, of his, uh, his neck. Yeah. And he had lost strength in his arm. And you could see that. In 2014, even though he threw 51 touchdown passes, even though he threw for more yards than Breeze did in 2011, you could see that his arm strength was declining as that year went on. You're not seeing that with Drew. And Drew hasn't had that kind of injury where he took off – he missed a whole year of football after an injury – and he was losing his arm strength. And when he when he came back to play, the doctors even told him, you're not going to be able to throw the ball the way you used to be able to throw. Uh, and that's partially why the Colt, you know, the uh, Broncos lost the Super Bowl to Seattle. They yeah. figured out watching the film that Manning could only throw in the middle of the field. He couldn't throw the deep out anymore. He couldn't throw those, yeah. um, those curl-ins and, and the nine routes and all the routes that yeah. he needed to throw on the sideline. So they just kind of squeezed the field on him. And when they made the field smaller, now they're sitting on the routes, picking him off. And it was a different, um, a different kind of Peyton Manning than we saw in 2009 with Indianapolis. And you know what? That just goes to show how good of an athlete Drew Brees is, because you're right. I've seen a little bit of a decline in his, his uh, deep throw, but it's not nothing that's really noticeable. And, you know, the good thing, you know, we're fortunate as Saints fans that the New Orleans Saints kept Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds, him and Andy Reid, in the National Football League. His system is designed for a quarterback to be successful. So even though we might not have the home run quarterback and free agent or draft a home run quarterback, if we could per se get somebody that's at least good and serviceable, with Sean Payton play calling and his offense, we'll be just fine. Well, Sean's not going to put him in a position where he can't be successful. That's yes. the first thing. Uh, you know, just it's for, going to be a. Just for the record, I'd like to say here in front of everyone Texas. Uh, Texas, not A&M, um, Texas Tech, Patrick Mahomes, 
Yes. That, mm-hmm. is, that is a kid that could be prolific yes. in the Sean Payton offense. Exactly. And that's I mean, I, I'm you just know, throwing that in for, for digestion. I'm hearing people say, too, they might for the Saints to get a uh, a quarterback like um, a Deshaun Watson or a mobile quarterback, somebody who can run. That won't work in this offense. Um, no. This offense no. is this offense is not a jet sweep, um, a read option kind of system. It's a West Coast um, air Coriel hybrid, and it right. all has to do with quarterback accuracy and quarterback passing. And, and when you, you I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to make the point. I, I like exactly what you said. And when you really think about it, with the Saints receivers, with Brandon Cooks, with Willie Sneed, with Michael Thomas, you don't need a dual threat quarterback. No. The wide receivers are going to do their job. They got right. and, and so you just need a quarterback that's going to have the accuracy to get to the ball. You don't need a dual threat quarterback for the Saints. That's right. No, exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, um, David, <clears throat> tell us how we can all uh, – we can follow your work and your show as well, please. Well, uh, there's a couple ways you can get to it. You can go to uh, com, and you can go to the top top um, where it says Our Show, and the drop-down, you'll see David King Live. You'll see my show right there. Or if you want to, go to a website called www.spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com, and search The Sports Den Show, and you'll see my show. You'll know it's my show because it has the state of Louisiana as a, as a picture. You'll know it's my show. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. Um, well, next time you talk to Chad, give him my best. Uh, tell him I appreciate the uh, – the experience that he gave me, it uh, it it did a lot towards helping me get to where the get to the point that I am now. Okay, I sure will. I sure will. Hey, we not about to end the show now. We got another hour and a half to go, right? <laughs> That's gonna be uh, coming up <laughs> hey, soon. I tell fun, you what, we're actually gonna do. Uh, we're gonna try and do a two-hour special. Uh, before the draft, so we will be uh, looking to uh, pull in, you know, some of the guests that we've had this year uh, to talk about the draft. And uh, once the combine is over with, and we start getting, the, you know, pro days, we will definitely start bringing some people back to talk about uh, local products, favorites. We'll run through mock drafts with the Saints, and mm-hmm. and once free agency gets going, you know, so we're definitely going to have we will have a two hour show. So. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. We might uh, we might bring you back for that one. Hey, I, I appreciate that. And I just want to tell you, y'all guys do a great job on y'all show. Um, I've been I've been a fan ever since the first time I seen you on show. And I and I want to thank you all for for covering the Saints because we need more Saints shows. We need more Louisiana sports shows. And y'all guys do a great job. You and your production team. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for being on. The thank show you very much. Too. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, we'll Thank get, you so much, David. Well, be sure and catch David's show. Uh, like he said, he's on almost every night of the week except Wednesday night. That's that. Am I right? Yes, Wednesday what? night's the only night uh, during the week I don't have a show. Okay, and uh, they can see you uh, by going to your clicking your Facebook link or yes. Hot, okay. Yes, you can uh, go to if you're part of the uh, New Orleans Saints uh, group. I post my link on there. Um, you know, just look out for my link because I post it everywhere. I post it in basically every LSU Saints group that I'm in. So just look out for the you, group. And like I say, you I can go you what, through. David, uh, do, do me a favor. Uh, for all the fans of this show, do me a favor and go on the, uh, the Under the Dome podcast page and post your link on there where they can follow you as well. Okay, I sure will. Let's see if I can get to it. We want to thank uh, 
David King for being a part of our show tonight. Yes, thank y'all for having me. All right. It was it's really fun. Anytime you can talk about Saints, LSU, Pelican, Louisiana sports, I am in for it. I'm 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 always for it. Good deal. Good deal. All righty. Well, thank you, David, for being part of the show, and we'll catch you on your show. On your show. Okay, sounds good. All righty. Um. Well, we kind of went over over time tonight, and uh, it's nine a uh, little bit little after nine. Um, Sean, any final thoughts before we get off? Um, no, I, I just uh, I pray to all the gods that are listening that we don't wind <laughs> up with Atlanta in the final two. Uh, yeah, I am. I am praying. I will sacrifice a falcon uh, probably Saturday night. Uh, <clears throat> to make sure that we uh, we do not have to deal with uh, seeing the Falcons for two weeks, brag and boast and strut. I don't feel like hearing that. I really, really don't. Um, I although don't we'll, it will be enjoyable if they if they do lose. But if we have to deal with the uh, Super Bowl from hell, New England versus Atlanta, I'm going to leave town for Super Bowl Sunday. I refuse to watch it. Um, so anyway, I, I, I can't refuse to watch. Um, I'll have to watch no matter who's playing, mm-hmm. and that that disturbs me greater than anything I could per- portray to you right now. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you guys again for watching uh, Under the Dome. Uh, we'll be here next week after the conference championships. We have. The Pro Bowl the week after that, which big deal, woo woo. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Pro Bowl, and it's going back to the AFC NFC format, uh, so it should be a nice snoozer. Then you have the Super Bowl, and then uh, once the Super Bowl ends, is uh, I think two weeks, and then the uh, free agency period starts. So the season may yeah. end, but football talk will never stop. We threaten you with that for the rest of the year. We will talk Saints football regardless what's going on. And um, I have some thoughts next week. We'll talk a little bit about the the Chargers move to San Diego and how that impacts uh, the Saints' future here in New Orleans. Um, yeah. It's a very scary thought about the fact that the Chargers are leaving to go to a city that doesn't even want them. And yeah. – that should be a, a shutter, a warning to all small market teams, whether it be Jacksonville, Buffalo, New Orleans, um, yeah. uh, shoot, uh, St. Louis already lost their team. Green Bay can't go anywhere. But, you know, those small market teams, um, to see San Diego leave to go to Los Angeles, that's that's something that the Saints will have to, or Saints fans will have to watch carefully, because um, us getting a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl, not talking about a Super Bowl for the Saints to play in, but a host a Super Bowl, um, and the Saints' future will depend on what happens over the next few years. And it, you know, that's right. I, I mean, I lived in error. Our, um, our Well, I was just going to say our tie to the Super Bowl is on, our tie to the Super Bowl is only as tenuous as our tie to Tom Benson, and well, that man is not exactly on on stable ground. Well, we we uh, we're going to end up talking about the next year already, but just basically, you know, the the, uh, the league is now awarding Super Bowls. To any city that builds a stadium, they don't care where it is, they're going to put a Super Bowl there. If Buffalo builds a new stadium, they get a Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's that's not the ideal Super Bowls. Every reporter will tell you this. The ideal three cities for any Super Bowl were San Diego, New Orleans, and Miami. Uh, Because the weather was great. In New Orleans' case, everything's within walking distance, the hotels, the restaurants, the bars, all within walking distance to the stadium. And San Diego, beautiful weather. Uh, city's very close and compact. 
uh, it's a great city to host a Super Bowl. Now, you know, they're going to put it in Houston this year. Miami's going to get one again because they refurbished, uh, I still call it Joe Robbie Stadium. I don't care whatever else they call it. Uh, it's still Joe Robbie to me. Um, they're going to have it in uh, Minnesota next because of their new stadium. They're going to put it in Atlanta because they're going to have a new stadium. Um, it's just going to be it's going to be disgusting for a while. Um so we, we'll talk more about this next week, but just to give you an idea. Um, it, it, it's something that a state that's broke is going to have to look at refurbishing. I mean, totally refurbishing the Superdome or build yeah. a new stadium. And uh, that's, that's right. not a good thing. That's that's not a good thing for a, a city in a state like this. Anyway, I don't want to get depressing. Uh, this the the idea of Atlanta Super Bowl is depressing enough. Uh, let's let's remember go back go downer dude yeah let's go back go and uh we'll see you next time in under the dome good night everybody good night everybody guys